Testing. Woo! Good morning. Let's see. Second bell is rung. My clock says nine o'clock. It looks like there's a pretty good crowd here this morning. So, uh, I will tell you that I'm missing a page or two of notes, but I think we'll be okay. I think we'll get through it, um, especially if you guys have some comments. Um, Bob, we were talking about you on the way in, because you made a comment. I can't remember if it was when you were preaching or teaching, or, but it was about the predicting of the weather and how accurate the weathermen are. Because I went to bed Friday night. Did anybody know 10 inches of snow was coming? Right, yeah, the last I saw was 1 to 3, but yeah, 2 to 4, fair enough. Uh, I woke up and thought, wow, that's an awfully deep 2 inches of snow. So, um, although I'm still having fun with my new snow blower, so I ran it three times this weekend. So, do what? Yeah, I was going to say I might need to today. I've tried to get Emily to shovel. And it's not gone the way I thought it would go. Well, let me rephrase that. It's not gone well, but it has gone the way I thought it would go. How's that? That's a fair statement, I think. Um, she said that if there are some ways that she would shovel or run the snowblower, one or two of them involved me being dead, and the other involved if she were selling the house because I was dead and she was moving away. So um, there were several options that would get her to run the snowblower or shovel, so... Otherwise, I think it's going to be right in my wheelhouse. I think that's going to be my area. So, All right. I hope you're having a good start to your week. We are here. I mean, just think about it. It's Sunday morning. We get to be here to worship. We get to be here with friends and family. And it's just really And we get to eat lunch today. I mean, Marilyn, that is a good day, isn't it? Get to eat lunch together. So I'm glad that we're here today. All right. Let's open with a word of prayer. Go ahead, Tony. I'll wait on you. You can go ahead and sit down. We're good. Jerry, you can go ahead. I'm going to wait on you. Everybody's going to watch Jerry sit, and then we'll get started. So, All right. Let's, have, let's go to God in prayer. Father, you indeed have blessed us with a beautiful day, the opportunity to be here with friends and family, to spend time in your word. What a wonderful opportunity that is. And we thank you for that. As we spend time learning what you would have us to learn this morning, bless our discussion. Uh, bless our time in your word and help us to understand and learn the lessons you would have us to learn. Bless, bless me as I present this morning. May I have the right, have the right attitude and, and memory of what I've prepared. And bless our time of discussion, Lord. We're just thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful that you've given us your word, complete and perfect, and that we have access to it any time. What a great blessing that is. Bless this time we spend in study. Later, bless our time in worship. And then beyond that, bless our time of fellowship. What a glorious day we have today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are going to talk about Samson this morning. So first of all, is Maury here yet? I want to thank him. He did a really good job of filling in. I need to choose worse people to fill in because now I'm not going to look so good when I get back up here. So 
I was going to say, I was going to try to insult somebody by saying, will you feel it? But I don't know. Everybody that I would look to is actually better at it than I am. It puts me in a really bad spot, Court. So I need to choose worse people to fill in. But he did a great job, and I sure appreciate that. Um, I'm probably going to be here for the next few weeks and don't need to fill in, but I do have a graduation I'm expected to go to in May. My daughter is graduating from graduate school, so I'll be reaching out then. So, um, All right, Samson. So Judges 13 through 17 is kind of the area we're going to spend the next couple weeks. Um, but let's start with this. Tell me, just kind of tell me what you know about Samson. You know, what are the, what are the things you know about him? Mm-hmm. Strong, I heard that. Right, he was strong. That's the strong man of the Bible. In fact, if we ever do a, uh, we've done a couple times at, play, at past places. Y'all have probably done this for VBS. Uh, uh, Heroes of faith, and you use that Hebrews uh, chapter eleven section. And Samson's one of them. He's the strong man of the Bible. I heard somebody say Nazarite. Who said that? Somebody Nazarite. Anyway, so do what? God's choice. Yeah. So what does Nazarite mean? It's a vow of setting aside for the service of God, and it's got some things involved with it. And, Jerry, you were going to say what they were. Yeah. Um, not supposed to let a razor touch your head. That's, what a, that's part of the Nazarite vow. And what else? Yeah, no strong drink. Not just no alcohol. No strong drink. There are certain drinks you're not supposed to partake of. Okay, and I, I did so. What I learned was the word Nazarite means one dedicated to the special service of God. That's the definition I found in a couple places. You may, I don't know if anybody has access to another, but that's the idea: is this person is going to be dedicated to the special service of God, so kind of set aside for the special service of God. Um, right? What else do we know about Samson? He was what? A ruffian. That is a polite word. That is a polite word to describe Samson. So let me ask this bluntly. Now, we only have three chapters. We have the chapter about his prediction of being born. So really 14 through 17 is it. And he, we're told he judged Israel for 20 years. He apparently had a life before that, right? He had to become a certain age. So we don't see most of his life, but... Was Samson a good dude? Based on what we have written, he's not. Now, we're going to remedy the fact that Samson made some choices and did some things that are bad, but he appears in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of those that through faith conquered. So he's in that chapter on faith, and he's listed, and it says through faith conquered and overcame and you know so he he had one of those but when we see his life tell me the the righteous choices that Samson made in his life the good wholesome choices that Samson made in his life so I only see in stories one and that's in his death to be just brutal about it right now there are some other things that obviously God used and God set up but when I see choice to choice, Samson did not make good choices in his life. I mean, slept with a prostitute that we know of, 
slept with another woman that what his wife that we know of was living with her. Murder. Now, we see things that God wanted him to do, but we also see where he says, well, this time I won't be guilty of the killing of the Philistines. So murder through sheer revenge because he paid off a gambling debt. All right? He went out just looking to pick a fight. Now, again, God raised him up to be the deliverer of Israel. We understand that. But I bet if we looked at God's plan, he wouldn't have said, now, Samson, why don't you go have sex with women? Why don't you go find a prostitute? That's the plan I have for you to deliver Israel. What we're going to see is I think God used Samson and had a plan, and despite Samson being Samson and human and the mistakes he made, God used him. And I think that's why he ends up in Hebrews 11. And I honestly think the reason he ends up in Hebrews 11 is his death, his choice he made in death. And the prayer he reaches out to God... Okay, I think that's why he ends up there. Because otherwise, Samson's not a good dude. Tracy? I agree. It's God, please avenge me for my eyes. In fact, it's what he says. But, he, but when we see the prayer, yes, ag- agreed. And so we're going to talk about Samson being called before his birth, right? In in chapter 13, we see his parents. And Samson is set aside, this Nazarite vow, he's set aside before his birth for a purpose. He's going to deliver. He's going to judge Israel and deliver Israel. And so God uses his mistakes and his sin. But the thing I'll say about his prayer is, when you see it, you do see a humility there. Because you see God please, twice he says please in there. Please remember me. Samson probably felt forgotten through his own doing, right? Shaved his hair, lost his power, sin, caught up, right? God, please remember me. Please. He knew God. So, and I think that's what I see, Tracy, that, and that's the point is, at the end of his life, Samson turned back to God and knew he was his strength. That's the word you use. And that's what I would say. And that's probably why he ends up in Hebrews chapter 11. Because he didn't, through his own strength at the end, he knew his strength was gone. God, you're my strength. Please, God, if you remember me, please, God, if you can, help me to avenge. And we see that line where he killed, he, he accomplished more, essentially, is what it says. He killed more Philistines in his death than he did during his entire life. And so that humility of, use me, take my life, but use me to do God, what your strength can do. And I think, Tracy, that's the struggle I have. There's also a line in chapter 14 where he goes to take a Philistine as his wife, and we're going to see this interaction that becomes hostile and deadly. But there's one verse that said, but God was using it to accomplish his purpose. And it's like, oh, okay. But now this was for his wife. This was not for the prostitute that he went and slept with, and this was not for the other woman that he went and chose to live with. So I think, and Tracy, I do struggle with that. Why does he end up in Hebrews 11? I don't, I have a hard time. But at the end of the day, he's there. And at the end of the day, God accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. Tony? Yes. Yeah. Like the Syrians. Mm-hmm. 
you know, one of my first lessons is what Tony just said. God makes decisions that we don't understand, that we don't always see, right? Because Samson is set aside before his birth. Now, the previous judge we, do, we just talked about, do we see that in Gideon's life? No. Now, he might have been, but we don't see it. God calls Gideon while he's a man, right? He's from a lesser tribe, but he's a man and sort of a leader because his dad was known and his dad had this idol, had this uh, altar already built. So God calls Gideon as a man. He sets aside Samson as a baby. Why? Don't know. Danny? Correct. Ooh, boy, that's a good point, Danny. So, yes, Danny makes the point. He says God's decisions are perfect. We all agree with that. And Tony's saying we don't always understand God's decisions. We don't see them, right? The issue becomes when we start talking about our decisions and we make those decisions or something comes about and we say, oh, well, God approves of it. That's a good point, Danny. And so God approves of Samson going down to this prostitute because God's will eventually is done. No, I don't think God's going to say, Samson, good job. I'm glad you lusted and went down and slept with this prostitute, and then I'm glad you lusted and went down and lived with Delilah. But God, just because it happened doesn't mean that God approved of it. But God's decisions are perfect. Setting Samson aside ahead of time was the right decision because God needed the Israelites delivered from the Philistines. And as Tony was saying, that's the type of person God needed to deliver the Israelites. He used the Assyrians, terrible people. He used the Philistines, awful people. He used Samson, not a great guy, but he had some redeeming attributes, right? In fact, I would say what, what, is, what, what comforts me is, one, God's decisions are always perfect. Number two, God had, a, God had a plan for Samson before he was born. God has a plan for me. Samson probably did not take the pathway God expected to get there, but God still used it, right? As Danny was saying, just because something came about, well, God approved it, right? See, I prayed... And God gave me this wonderful job. Okay, we should pray. We should try to follow God's will. But when we start getting into decisions in the world, we need to be careful when we say, as Danny said, this is what God wants me to do. You know, I can be sure of some of the things God wants me to do when it appears right here. I can be 100% confident. Outside of that, I need to be careful. Because man's heart can be deceptive. So Liz, hang on, I saw... What Pam? Go ahead. You can't make my last point before I make my first. No, I'm just, no, that's a great point. What we're going to see in Samson's life: bad decisions, but God uses it. Good decision, you know, God does send him down to choose this wife. Then he ends up in prison, eyes gouged out, no strength. But what happened when he reached back out to God? 
Isn't that comforting? That's the lesson that we're talking about. You're never too far gone from God. I mean, that's a great lesson from this. I've been sleeping with the wrong people. I've lost my strength because my hair's shaved. I've lied. I've gambled. I've killed. God, can, I, can you please help me? God's like, of course. You were set aside for a purpose. Of course I hear you. Of course I can help you. That is a very comforting thought, and we'll see that at the end of his life. Liz? Mm-hmm. Right, so remember Samson, so what Liz is saying, remember Samson had this Nazarite vow, right? He was set aside, set aside for the service of God. And he was supposed to follow that. And Liz is saying he violated that, right? He did. He, he violated that. And there were consequences to it. But God still took him back after that because he reached out to him. At least when I, I think Hebrews chapter 11 is, is the, is the, Evidence that Samson ended up in accordance with God's will. By faith, he conquered the Philistines. That happened in his death, not in his life. He was a thorn in the side of the Philistines, right? But he didn't defeat them until he defeated 3,000 lords and rulers of the Philistines in one time. That's how he delivered the Israelites, right? And so God accepted them back, but there were consequences to him violating that vow, right? I agree with that. There were a lot of good comments. I don't know that I summarized them all. Danny, did I get, you had some more that I didn't summarize. I'm trying to think what I missed on yours. Okay. That's a good point. We, Danny's saying, you know, intrinsically we're selfish, and I would say most humans are, right? You may be better at this, but when at the end of the day, I start to think about my life, my health, my wants, my needs. I mean, isn't that where most of my prayer ends up going? And I start thinking about, as Danny said, how other people's decisions affect me, right? I can't believe they did that. I can't but do I think about how my decisions affect others? So we're going to see people that lose their lives because of Samson's anger, because of his bad decision, right? His wife, his father-in-law, right? He gets angry, he throws a fit, and they get killed because of it. You know, he wasn't thinking of them when he got angry. He was thinking of the fact that he was wronged and he has to pay up a bet. And he, but his decision affected people in a very negative way. People lose their lives because of his rash decision. So, All right, so let's go through a few of the details. Any other comments? Those are great comments. But you can't skip ahead too much, Pam. Sorry, I got to keep... No, I'm just great comments. Okay, so uh, briefly, the background. Um, let me make sure I have... Yep. Okay, so judges, we have that cycle. Judges 13 starts with a line that we see over and over. And the people of Israel did, again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Israel is conquered by the Philistines for 40 years. Okay? So again, we see this cycle of God delivers them through a judge, a deliverer. Right? That's really the, probably the best term we should use there. A deliverer. The book of deliverers. And they have prosperity and God is with them. And then the people again did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's, the, that's the, the, the saddest phrase that we see in Judges over and over and over. 
They don't stay with the Lord. They don't continue to follow him. And so then the Lord punishes them. And getting back to what Tony said, he uses bad people, bad countries, but that's who he uses to accomplish what he needed to be accomplished. So this time it's the Philistines. And they come and they rule over the Israelites for 40 years. Okay, And the Philistines will continue to be a thorn in the side of the Israelites for centuries to come. Right? We'll see David interact with them. We'll see the other kings interact with them as we move forward. Okay, um, And so in Judges 13, God sets somebody aside who has not even been conceived yet. Okay, He sends the angel of the Lord to this man called Manoah and his wife. Okay, And he promises them a son. And he gives them some conditions. You're going to have a son. He is going to deliver Israel. But there's some conditions about his life. And this is where the Nazarite vow, he should be called a Nazarite, right? Set aside for the special purpose of God, special service of God. He shall not drink any strong drink. And there's some restrictions about what he can drink. He shall not uh, let a razor touch his head, as we mentioned earlier. Okay. Now, I don't know that they knew what that meant from a standpoint of his superhuman strength. So Samson wasn't just a strong guy. Let's make sure we make that clear. He wasn't just a bodybuilder, okay? We're going to see him do things that a human can't physically do. When he takes the gates of the city off their hinges, puts both on his shoulders and walks up a mountain, these gates weigh, I mean, the estimate is around 800 pounds each, okay? A human can't do that. It's not, oh, look at how strong he was. Oh, he could have played. No, 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 no. It talks about the strength of the Lord coming on him. This is supernatural strength that comes from God. Okay, So he was strong, but when it talks about what he does, it says the strength of the Lord came upon him. He takes the jawbone of a donkey, right? He kills a thousand soldiers. Right? That's, he takes his hands. He rips apart a lion. Oh, he's strong. No, 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 no. As we see, without the strength of the Lord, he's really a human, right? His hair is cut. Did his muscles suddenly go away when his hair? No. The strength of the Lord left him, right? So this isn't a strong dude. This isn't a workout guy. That may all be, he may have been intimidating. He may not have been. He may have been five foot ten, a little overweight and stubby. Not that I'm pointing to myself, but that, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It wasn't that he worked out that made him strong. Because he didn't sit, sit around and lose his strength over time. He lost it in seconds when his hair was cut. So if it was just that he worked out and was really strong, he wouldn't have lost his strength. It's that the strength of the Lord was upon him. And so I don't know that his parents knew that, but they knew what the angel had told them, the angel of the Lord. So there's this vow, there's this set aside. Um, and Samson follows that. And then again, the lesson there, God had a plan for Samson from birth. I don't think Samson made every right decision. I don't think God wanted him to do some of the things he did. But God had a plan and God accomplished his will. Right? And that's reassuring for me because God has a plan for Stephen. And I don't know if that plan included Anchorage or not. But what it did include was service to God. And whether that's in Nashville, or I was in Palatka, Arizona, or I was in Memphis, or I was in Columbia, I don't know that God cared where I lived. I'm going to be blunt about it. But he cared what I did where I lived. 
He cared that I was in service to him, right? And so God has a plan. But we do need to be careful because sometimes we, we talk to people in such a way like God has set aside the one spouse for you. He may have. But if you mess that up, it doesn't mean your life is ruined forever. I don't think God, in my opinion, this is Stephen 101. I don't think God sets aside one person for you to marry or one job for you to do or one place for you to live. I think he expects you to act and live a certain way regardless of who you marry, regardless of where you live, and regardless of what job you have. And if I happen in life to be stupid, sinful, immature, and mess up my decision about college or about a job or about a spouse, my life isn't ruined forever because I missed the one in eight billion that God set aside for me. Now, is he capable? Absolutely he's capable. But I don't think that's the way he does it. I don't think he said, Stephen, I have got, I've got this job waiting on you in Anchorage, and it's going to take you 50 years of your life to get there. I don't think so. I think he said, Stephen, you've been given talents and abilities and opportunities, and regardless of where you go, I expect you to serve me. I think that's what God's plan is about, service to him. Not a certain job or a certain decision in my life. The reason I say that is because as humans, we screw things up. And if God only wanted me to be a lawyer and I chose medical school and now the rest of my life is ruined. God only wanted me to marry Susie and I married Emily, this Christian woman who I've been with. with Oh, but that's not who God... I don't think that's the way God works. He doesn't have every step of my life mapped out. What he says is, Stephen, I'm calling you to service to me. I'm calling you to serve me, live for me calling you to evangelize i'm calling you to serve this kingdom and if you do that in nashville or anchorage that's okay now does that mean god doesn't have a place where he he may guide me he may help me in decisions but i think it is artificial to think that if i don't make every right step along the way with god i've screwed it up that's not that's not what we see in samson's life it's not what we see in the apostle paul's life right was he doing what God wanted? You think God wanted him to be killing Christians before he called him? I don't think so. I think he called him in spite of that. He saw his zeal and his fervor and his love for the Lord. It was mistaken. But that's the type of person he was looking for, right? Tony, I saw your hand. Right? We have free will, is what Tony's saying, those open doors and closed doors. And this gets back to part of what Danny was saying. So here's the danger in thinking, God has a single pathway for me in life. I pray for a job. And an opportunity comes along. So one is I have free will. Number two, is there anybody else working in this world that could affect my life? The answer is yes. Satan has power in this world. Okay, so when I look at Samson, I think Satan knew how to get to, how did you get to, how did Satan get to Samson? What did he do? He sent women into his life. Now, women aren't a problem. Please don't, don't go. My wife's not in here. I could get in big trouble here. But Samson's lust for them was, wasn't it? He was weak and Satan knew it, right? And so if Satan thinks that giving me a job is going to take me away from the church? You think he might be out there fighting for me to get a job? 
I've said before, if, if money is something that can take me away from God, I better not go buy a lottery ticket because Satan may help me win it. Oh, but money's a blessing. We've talked about that. Money is neither a blessing nor a curse. For most people, more money is a curse. When I say most, I don't mean 51%. I'm just going to be blunt about it. The vast majority of people, more money is a curse, not a blessing. So let's be clear. So I think that's the danger in saying God has this singular pathway, and if I mess that up, I've messed things up. No, no. God opens doors and closes doors, opportunities and people. But I can make stupid mistakes in my life and still serve God and still be where God wants me to be, right? God wants me to be faithful to the Christian wife that I have, not the one in eight billion that he might have chosen for me ahead of time. Now, he might have set aside Emily before either one of us were born. He has the ability to do that. Or he might have just set aside opportunities for me to meet a Christian wife. I don't know, right? I know he didn't want Samson to sleep with a prostitute, but Samson still accomplishes his will, right? So I think I can make mistakes in my life, that free will. And I think I can misinterpret it. It gets back to what Danny said. If I'm not careful... I want to pray to God, but sometimes my ego is I'm not praying to God for guidance. I'm praying to God to, con- to give consent to what I already want to do. And that could be a really dangerous place because, you know, God, I like this opportunity. I hope it works out, God, because essentially what I'm saying is I'm going to go down this pathway, God, but I'm going to pray to you so that I can rubber stamp that I've prayed to you about it. And I have to be really careful about that. God's decisions are perfect, right, Danny? God's decisions are perfect. Mine can be, my heart can mislead me. The world can mislead me. Satan is active in this world. Do not underestimate what Satan is doing in this world. Danny, before you, I saw Stephanie's hand. Correct. that's a much better way to state what I was trying to state. So Stephanie's saying we, we can make bad choices and pay the consequences in this life, maybe for the rest of our lives. We can make bad choices that lead us to fall away from God. But when it comes to decisions in life, so I like, let's make a simple one. Do I go to Fried Hardeman University? Do I go to Harding University? You can have your opinions. I don't care. Okay. What I'm saying is I don't believe that God's out there going... If you send your child to Harding instead of Freed Hardeman, oh, that is not where I wanted them to be. I, I don't believe, I, I think God can utilize either one of those decisions. And I think God allows free will, right? But there are decisions. Do I send them to Freed Hardeman or do I send them to UC Berkeley? Now, can you be a Christian at UC Berkeley? You can. Do you think it's harder than being a Christian on Freed Hardeman's campus? Absolutely. Okay. And you can say, oh, they, I'm going to argue with you on that one. That doesn't mean you can't send your kid to UC Berkeley. 
but it is one of the most atheistic, non-Christian campuses in the world. So if I send them there, there are consequences to that. And those consequences may lead to someone falling away from God. And there's times where we make choices that go against God's will. And that is obvious. Okay, again, we need to be careful that we don't let our conscience or our heart guide us to something against. That's an easy one. But in life, there are lots of ways that God can use us, whether we go to college or not, right? Whether we work at this job or that job. Those decisions are not intrinsically Christian or unchristian in and of themselves, right? Do I buy the house on the left or the house on the right? There may be reasons. House on the left is next to a strip club in the bar. The house on the right isn't. There may be reasons, but for the most part, those decisions, I'm going to say it this way. I don't think God cares. He cares because he loves us, but I don't think he cares which of those decisions we do because he expects us to live for him regardless. Right? Samson screwed up. He made bad choices. God used them anyway. He paid for the consequences, right? His eyes got gouged out. His wife and his father-in-law got killed. He lost his life. He spent time in prison. Those are, consequ- those are consequences to bad decisions. God still used them. God still delivered Israel because of them. Danny, I saw your hand. In everything. Good point, yeah. like one of the statements you made we we have free we have free choice free moral will to make those decisions and we should pray for God to help us in those decisions and I think there is value in that so please don't think that I'm saying I pray to God about a job and a job works out that it's Satan I do think we should pray to God but there's a difference between and I'm going to use my most recent decision okay I prayed a lot about whether I stayed here and took a job opportunity here in town or went with the promotion that I was told I'm taking in my last position when I was over on base, okay? And I could have taken that position, but I knew ahead of time I was going to spend 60 to 70% of my time traveling, okay? I was going to be traveling to Japan, Korea, Okinawa, Guam, and not for three weeks at a time, for two days, all right? I was going to be in Minot, North Dakota. I was going to be down in San Antonio living, Okay? Great. I mean, my ego loved it. I'm going to tell you right now, I had 14,800 people that are going to report to me in a $16 billion budget. I say that braggingly because I'm awesome, right? Well, that's the problem, you see? You see how I can pray about that decision, but do you think, do you think I'm going to be a more effective Christian when every two days I'm traveling somewhere that probably doesn't even have a church? You think that's going to help my service to God and what I'm trying to accomplish for God and what God's going to use me for? Do you think my ego is going to be, you think it might get to my ego a little bit that I'm going to have all these people that answer to Stephen Heffy? It was not a hard decision to see 
this opportunity is there, but that's not the right decision for me. That's not where God wants me to be. That's not. But I could have easily talked myself into it. So I could pray about it, but I can talk myself into a lot of things. But there are obvious times when that is not going to be the right decision. Even though it may mean more money, more opportunity, more fame, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So we have to be careful because Satan can make it look very enticing. We should pray and we should follow where God guides us. But God wasn't, I don't believe God was guiding me to make that bad decision. And I think there's wisdom in me going, this opportunity's there, but I don't think it's from God. I don't think it's what he wants me to do. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Could, Could God have? So I thought about that. So Liz asked a good question. And so let's, I'll be blunt about my decision making if that's okay. Um, she said, hey, God said go into all the world. You're going to have a chance to try. That's true. And I thought about that. But number one, as a federal employee, I'm very limited in what I can do in that role. Okay? Now, well... I work for the Department of Defense, for the Defense Health Agency, and I'm very limited in that role. Number two is, if I were going somewhere for a period of time, hey, you're going to spend three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, but when I'm spending 36 hours in Tokyo, 24 hours in Seoul, 12 hours up the road, it's going to be hard for me when I'm working those hours to spread the gospel. And that's what I thought about. It's going to be hard for me to spread the gospel to be blunt in my position, working for the government, when the only time I'm awake in those foreign countries is when I'm working. And so that was, but that was, I thought about that, Liz. I thought, hey, there's an opportunity. So let's, again, let's be blunt. This church exists because of World War II, correct? Am I mistaken in saying that? I would say that's a fair assessment, right? World War II, this terrible thing, but there were Christians who were sent to Anchorage and established a church here during World War II. So, yeah, there were people who were sent, right? This, now, do I think this church, I think God could have found other ways to find, but he used World War II to establish not this, this church, but a lot of churches across the globe, right? So you're right, Liz, he could have used me in that, but I don't think the opportunity was going to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And, and again, complete transparency. I don't think, I think it would have been very challenging for me as a man to be away from my wife 70% of the nights. I'm going to be blunt. This is being recorded, but I'm going to tell you, I like having sex with my wife, and when I have sex with my wife, my life goes better, and I'm less tempted in other areas of my life. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I should. Because there's other men who should hear that as well. Now, if I get activated to active duty or something and sent away, I will, it's not an excuse to do something stupid, and I will do my best. But I'm going to make a choice in my life to be away from my wife 70% of the time. Do you think that's going to be easier on her to live her life? I tell you what she's probably going to do if I'm gone 70% of the time. She's probably going to be in Nashville where we have another house, right? So there were other factors that went into it. I, I, I agree. But I could have also just gone the other. I could have justified it. Ooh, this is great. God gave me this opportunity. I just want to say that I'm glad you finally said Emily because I'm thinking that's why that was a bad Correct. Yes. 
I didn't know what I should say when it's being recorded, but I'll be blunt. I don't want to be gone from my wife 70% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, God's will will come about with limits. And we say, oh, what do I mean? What is the will of God for every man? that they should be saved and not perish, right? But man's free will is going to mess that up. We can mess up God's will. But God's sovereign will, right? He's got an opportunity there for us. And I can screw up and make a bad decision. Samson did. David did. We're going to talk about him pretty soon. Jonah did, right? We see lots of people make bad decisions. And God used them anyway. Or use that bad decision as an extra way of access to whatever so God has the ability to do that so I don't want to say that oh I went to Harding instead of Freed and now my whole life you know God's God's going to use my decisions hopefully if I allow him to right that's that's my role in that allowing him but he can even use those who aren't honorable to him the Philistines did not honor God right they're worshiping Dagon we're going to see he still used them he used them to occupy Israel and he used them to be defeated and raise up Samson in this great act of faith. So, all right, we had a good discussion. We almost talked about Samson. So, Tony, go ahead. Yeah, Proverbs 16.4, is that right? The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil, right? Yeah, God... God has a reason behind. I think God knows every one of us like he knew Samson before we are born. And I think God has a purpose and a will for our life for every one of us before we're born. And my goal is to try to be in that will. And there's times when I don't. I make bad decisions. But my goal is to get back anytime I can. Oh, Jerry, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's right. You know, that's a. It, you know, it, but is the Nazarite vow associated with Nazareth? I don't know the answer to that. No, I don't think it is. I don't think that's where the name came from, Jerry. I don't think so. I will do some research on it and find out, though. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's not from that. I think it's from an area. Wasn't Nazarene or... But I apologize, Jerry. I don't know the answer to that. Sorry. I will do some research on that, Pam.
Correct. So the illustration here is the vine and the branches. You just said, I'm the vine and the branches. And everything the vine gets, you know, the nutrients, the water, the flow comes from, uh, the branches get come from the vine. And if we are abiding in Jesus, then we are going to grow the way the vine wants us to grow. Yeah. And, and we may occasionally wrap around something we shouldn't or whatever, but, and that gets back to, if I have a life that's dedicated to God, and I'm trying to do God's will, and I'm praying for that guidance, I think I'll get that guidance. But I have to then use everything else, right? I can't take that one decision out from what God's will is, right? God wants me to do X. Mm, if that goes against his will, he doesn't want me to do X, despite what my heart may tell me, right? So every, I have to, if I've got my life in God, then everything I do has to be in that, those lens of God's will. So... That's the goal, absolutely. Abiding in God. Mm -hmm. And anytime I have a question, if it's in here, I know I know where I'm supposed to be going. That one's pretty simple. So, all right. Well, great discussion. We will continue on next week. Thank you, everybody.